At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again year after year? Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode three hundred and sixty-seven, coming to you on Wednesday, May thirteenth. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including a lot of things that we don't know about the coronavirus and how it's going to affect the twenty twenty season along with us playing some hypothetical college football commissioner stuff and trying to put together our perfect 2020 USC football season. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is randomtroyantfanside.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Second What's Burn Show. From the Rain of Troy studio east in Phoenix, Arizona, I'm your host, Mike Casino. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. Let's get right into this thing. It's the middle of May. We missed an episode last week. There's been nothing to talk about, man. I mean, there's like little things to talk about, but also the same little things and the same big things that we don't know anything about. So, um, you know, sometimes logistics get in the way of an episode, but also sometimes uh, there's just there's only so much to fill to fill an hour of, of podcasting. And we now have enough to fill an hour of podcasting here today. But we, we yeah, we're going to come close for sure. Uh, plus, we have so much more over on Patreon. Hey, look at that. Uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy, where you can get all of our bonus content, including off-topic stuff, where there's plenty to talk about. We are binging Breaking Bad. Uh, we have reviewed... Yeah, who needs to talk about USC football when you got Breaking Bad to talk about? Exactly. We're looking back at Breaking Bad here during the quarter. In our quarter time, let's take it inside episodes uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel and talk about USC football or otherwise as often as you would like. Uh, Alicia, not our normal setup here. Uh, we don't, we have our microphones on boom stands like we usually do. However, somebody left the clamps Back in L.A. before we headed over here to <laughs> to the other Renatroy studio to record, which means there may be some weird audio sounds. We, we we literally have the the mic stands leaning against a wall. I mean, they're 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 functional. I think it's gonna work, but we just have to make sure we don't touch the table. Or yeah, anything. no, no bumping the table, no moving the table. They are very. I have to say, somewhat very precariously 
balanced between a table and the edge of the uh, of the of the the well between the wall and the edge of the table. So they're sturdy and steady. So long as nothing changes. <laughs> as long as there's no earthquake while we're recording. Right? Well, if there's an earthquake while like we're recording, then, you know. You'll it, hear it. Of all the times for there to be an earthquake when we're in Phoenix and not Los Angeles, that would be uh, quite a thing. This is very, very, very true. Uh, let's get into this news, shall we? We'll be right back. So while we wait for some actual concrete news about when the 2020 USC football season will open, there's been so much talk due to the coronavirus, COVID-19, what's going to happen to the college football season? And we're going to talk about that in a minute here. But we have the pleasure of joining USC Athletic Director Mike Bone uh, in an off-the-record chat with the Beat Media on Tuesday night. It was really interesting. Spoiler alert, there is no news because... Nobody knows exactly what's going on anyways. But I thought after years of saying that USC does business, especially in the athletic department, behind closed doors, uh, I think that there's a little breath of fresh air uh, for, for Mike Bone seeking out the, the people in LA who cover the team and the, 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 the people who interact with fans every single day, uh, all of us in the industry. And provide some transparency, and that's that's refreshing because we know that was not happening in the previous regime. Yeah, I think I think you're right to phrase it as a breath breath of fresh air. It it really feels like Mike Bone is just a much more engaged athletic director, um, not just with fans, which he certainly is, but with the media and and with an understanding of how the media works for the fans and for the team in a lot of different ways. As much as we can be critical of the program, uh, we're also the the bridge between the program and the fans. So he seems to understand that. So it, it, it was it was good to to be able to have that conversation uh, with him. And, you know, the conversation hit on a lot of different things, which obviously we can't really discuss because it was it was off the record. But um, it, it, like you got a sense of, of who he is as a as a person, which is, is to say my impression of him is that he's very genuine Um he always comes back to the idea of wanting to listen, to hear what people's concerns are, and to take them under advisement, um, which I think is is definitely something that uh, bodes well for the program in general. So, yeah, I mean, from our perspective, obviously, more access is always good. But, uh, you know, just from the general perspective is what we can share with the fans is that, like, Mike Bone is engaged in a way that, uh, that USC's athletic director, certainly the previous one, wasn't. and And I think that he's... Um, you know, based on what we know now, I mean, obviously we don't know what the future is or anything like that, but it feels like USC is in good hands with Mike Bone for, for what's to come and, and, uh, and, and how the program is currently being driven. So there's just, there, I don't know, I just feel a little bit of optimism coming out of a conversation with Mike Bone. Um, so what, what more can you ask for? Obviously you could ask for more answers, but. <laughs> no, no one in the world right now has answers. So, uh, no, no, and, and yeah. that's why I think there's there's value in just being able to, to talk to Mike Bone and and him talk to us as as media and ask questions and whatnot. And go but back also and as forth. like people, you know, like right. he seems to want to know what's going on in the lives of the people that I, are around. I I very much enjoy the idea of him being able to ask anybody in anyone related to USC football in some sense. Uh, a fan, a booster, uh, a student, player, uh, someone in the media, literally anybody. What's your opinion on blank? And I, I think that's really refreshing based on... It's a great leadership like, tactic. Like, like, wasn't the, the knock on Lin Swan was that, that he knew best, yes. right? Yeah. And, and, and maybe... Uh, you could argue that Pat Hayden was a little bit of this... I mean, I, I think that Lin Swan's approach certainly was uh less fruitful than pat hayden's approach but pat hayden also had the air of he's the road scholar and right. he knows better than everyone you know yeah and you know mike bone like we've said you know we we think he made a huge mistake keeping clay hilton around uh so this isn't to say that that you know his decisions have been flawless or anything but 
it it just comes with a sense of transparency that, that that's refreshing. So. I just want. I also just want like, and this is the my fr- my constant frustration with being on Twitter, which being on Twitter is just a bad state of being in general sure. these days. But like, I have to be on Twitter. So one of the, my really frustrating things is is everything can't come back to did he or did he not get rid of Clay Helton? Like. Because if it's zero sum, then, then and we it's, have and it's to pass move, fail. Then yeah, like okay, we all acknowledge what happened in right. December. Like we all know what happened. Right. He took his his licking for that too. Like one hundred percent. He he took rightful criticism for that. We are now six months. Five months. Well, because it was the start of, of December, so um, five months, five, almost half a year away from that decision, and in that half a year. We have had a thousand other decisions that Mike Bone has made, and the vast majority of them, to be frank, have been really positive for USC. So, like, every time that something happens concerning Mike Bone, it can't always come back to, to Clay Elton. It, you know, you can take the, the things that he's done in the meantime and judge them on their own merits, while also knowing that there's always going to be an undercurrent of what happens with Clay Elton will ultimately define what goes on with with Mike Bone going forward but I don't have to like I, we shouldn't have to preface everything with he sucked about Clay Helton but this but, is good both both things can exist that that's yeah, that's my it, it's point. just it's just exhausting at a certain point like sure but but both things can exist and and, and like we we said from the beginning Mike Bone's going to be the, defined by his actions the majority of his actions have been good for USC the one major one the one major one that most people are looking at as the ultimate definer, is the one that really goes the other way. Well, we, and, for and, now. We've, and we've litigated that before, but there sure. were extenuating circumstances to that At whole least, thing. Yeah, so, the, like, we, let's just acknowledge that there's nuance. Right? As, there's nuance. There is nuance here, but as as you are uh, want to say on Twitter, no, but I think you there's just, no room for nuance on Twitter, dummy. <laughs> I get that. Yes, I know. <laughs> I set myself there's, up for there's, that. There's no room for nuance in, in USC football discussions. No, I, I, I get that. I think I think you're writing it off a little too easily. I, I just I think you just have to accept both things. Uh, you have to accept that that Mike Bone is doing so much to improve the college fo- the the USC uh, college football program, right? And at the same time, uh, he's still riding with Clay. Can we both just agree just that exist. Mike Bone is objectively a better AD in, well, yes. six, in, in eight months than Lynn Swan was over yes. a couple of years? Like objectively, yeah. okay. Yeah. So okay. is USC All not right. improved? Yes. Okay. 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 Well, I, we're, we're rehashing this for. <laughs> I don't know why, okay. but whatever. I, I, I don't get it either. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about potential schedule changes due to coronavirus. Again, no one knows anything at this point. Uh, but there have been rumors of a conference-only schedule. Uh, any thoughts about that? Well, that was uh, confirmed by Clay Helton. They're, the Pac-12 is doing these webinars with the coaches. So, on Monday, Clay Helton was uh, was part of the first webinar with uh, David Shaw and Nick Rolovich from Stanford and Washington, respectively. State. Washington State, respectively. Yes, thank you. Um, and the one of the questions posed to to Helton was about the possibility of a conference only slate, and he said this is being discussed in Pac-12 circles. Absolutely. Um, the, the the there's the sort of nine game model. There's an eleven game model. Whatever it is, this is part of the discussion. So uh, I I wouldn't even call it necessarily rumors. I'd just say that there are discussions about this, which they're necessary discussions, right? We don't know what the college football, and this is something that Clay Helton reiterated multiple times, that we don't know what the, sh- what the shape of the season is going to be, but one of the potential shapes is not being able to play non-conference games and having to go ahead with a Pac-12-only schedule. So it seems certainly like a, a, a possibility, but it's also one that's going to be governed by what happens over the next three, four months. Yeah, and who knows what happens over the next three to four months? Case in point, the reports about USC and Alabama potentially not playing, uh, there was a tweet from Colin Cowherd, quote, I'm told by two people I trust USC versus Alabama isn't happening. The Trojans came and practiced in LA potentially for several months. That's why Bama is already talking to other possible opponents. Not official, but understood. Feeling now that the Pac-12 football is in spring much more likely. Uh, I'm not sure where this comes from, from, from Colin Cowherd besides him saying two people he trusts. Uh, Paul Feinbaum 
uh, adds a little bit more detail into the Alabama side of that, saying that Alabama's talking to TCU. TCU opens their season on September 5th, the same day USC, scheduled to play Alabama. They are scheduled to play Cal, TCU, in Fort Worth, you know, 20 minutes down the I-30 from Jerry World. So that would seem to be an easy contingency plan if that game is to proceed, and if Jerry still wants to pay the money for that game to be in Arlington, and USC and Cal are not willing to play, to play on September 5th, or unable to play at least, on September 5th, that would make a lot of sense for Alabama. However, USC Athletic Director Mike Bone shot that down on Tuesday night with a tweet. Well, Mike Bone did. Uh, Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, also said, uh, we plan to play USC. Uh, TCU's AD said that they plan to play Cal. So the ADs at least involved in this triangle or square, whatever you want to call it. Say what they need I I think the only one we didn't hear from explicitly, at least not that I saw, was Cal's AD. So uh, they're shooting this down more or less. Although I I will admit, like, two things. One, it makes so much sense that, like, it's smart to have this contingency plan like it's smart for tcu and alabama to come together and say hey if this can't happen wink wink nod nod like wouldn't this be a good idea if we're open and they're not um the other thing is like the 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 way that the ad shot it down was not exactly like this is definitely not happening it was more like we intel mike bone said we intend to play alabama And Greg Byrne said, we intend to play USC. And TCU said, we intend to play Cal. Like, what you intend in the age of coronavirus is not... Like, I intended to be attending uh, spring practice in, you know, this at the, by the start sure. of April. Like, sure. I'll, I'll what, what I intended did, did obviously not happen. I intended yeah. to bring the, uh, the clamps to hold up our microphones. Uh, I did not. <laughs> There was an oversight there. So like what you intend is not necessarily what is actually going to happen. So um, I think the 80s have to come out and say like this is not uh, part of the plan necessarily. But nothing that they said really told me that this couldn't potentially happen down the line. It's just they obviously the, the scenario they all want is for the season to start on September 5th. As they had planned it, so yeah, and we just don't know that. That's that, the narrative. Yeah, yeah the, the the thing that I find less believable is the Colin Cowherd thing about there's no way that USC and Alabama play, and it's more likely that the Pac-12 plays in the spring. Like the Pac-12 playing in the spring, there's so much logistically that you have to do for that to happen. And yes, like well, I, what happens with freshmen? What happens with? Uh, your your scholarship counts. What happens? There, there's a million things. What happens that, with the following season if you just played a whole season in the right. spring and then you don't have spring camp and like I don't know. It's just that that just sounds like a mess to me. And I know that California, the Pac-12 footprint, and some of the other areas in the con- country are not going to be necessarily singing from the same hymn book. Certainly, Mark Emmert said on Tuesday the the uh, president of the NCAA said that they don't intend to have a uniform start date for the season. They're not going to uh, legislate that for for the restart of of college football. So uh, there is a scenario where conferences are starting at different times. But that's a big leap from conferences are starting at different times to USC won't play football until... Right. January or February. Like, no no one knows. And this is my issue with Cowherd. Like... I get that he can say this and sort of feel like whatever, but at the same time, like like we said, I don't know what's going to happen three days from now, let alone right. saying like it's more likely to play in the spring. I, I don't know what's more likely. No one does. The, the, also, the idea that the Trojans came and practiced in L.A. potentially for several months. It's just not is, true. No. like I, I don't know where that's coming from. Um, you know, there was the report on, on Tuesday that the L.A. County expects to be uh, to have this the stay-at-home order for at least three more months. And that created a big brouhaha, which, why, I don't know, because we already knew this. Uh, because going back a couple of weeks, when Gavin Newsom put put out his, his plan for the different stages of how the state would open, and we know that Oregon and Washington kind of like in lockstep with the Pacific uh, Pact, whatever it's called, but yeah, whatever the, what, the whatever they called the, the I, this pack pact between the, the pack eight states the pack eight states there sure, you go there you go uh, that 
stage one was what we were in last month, right? Where it's only takeouts um, and it's only essential businesses and that's it. Uh, Stay at home. Stage two is stay at home, but... uh, Retail stores Retail stores are open and uh, some schooling is open and some more businesses are are open and, and, and whatnot. Stage three is stay at home, but gyms are open, barbershops are open, salons are open, sports without fans can happen, movie theaters are open. With social distancing. Yes, with social distancing. And that's still considered part of the stay-at-home order. Stage three allows college football to exist. While still under a stay-at-home order. While still under the stay-at-home order. And we had known this two weeks ago when Gavin Morris... I mean, Gavin Morris. What what am I saying? (laughs) Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Gavin Gavin Morris for governor? Maybe. When when Gavin Newsom uh, tweeted this out, right? So, like, we had known these steps, so... And and maybe it's a messaging thing on behalf of the state that that you know stage three where it says the sports are at are are being able to play without fans and you can go to movie theaters that doesn't sound like stay at home but yet it still is according to the plan yeah so yeah there there's that if that's a, still a thing in three months again that would allow USC to still potentially practice because stage three and we're at stage two already like. I don't think I, I I don't want to get off track here, but the but, Colin Coward thing really just see, seems completely. I think it's a it's a it's a problem me. of interpretation. If you're interpreting, sure. if you're interpreting, if you're interpreting the rules uh, in the extreme surface level, yeah, sure. Obviously, there's no way you play football, but as you said, there is more detail to these rules, this stay at home right. order, than I think people are acknowledging. So. No, I can see. I mean, there is a still there is still a possibility and I won't say it's a large one, but there is still a possibility that we get to August 1st and USC is kicking off fall camp. That possibility exists even with this 3-month extension. Right. Yeah. And it's not even an official extension, but the, the this expe- expectation that the stay-at-home order will still be in place through July. Well, if USC starts fall camp in on August 1st, you can still potentially start the season on time on September 5th like yeah that's if if we're in stage two until August 1st then stage three goes into effect August 1st you can have a practice yeah yeah because Gavin Morris put it sorry Gavin Newsom (laughs) dang it put it put it in the the, uh yeah in in the but but I think the thing that everyone needs to understand too is the reason why no one knows what's going on is because all of these things are so incredibly complex sure the, the things that would allow USC to go back to practice are not the same that things that would allow the NBA to be played or the allow uh, movie theaters to open or would allow, you know, all of these different things. Like everyone's on while everyone is on the same timetable, like everyone is also on different timetables and it's going to be almost like a snowball effect of picking up data and information and testing and tracing and all the other things that come in treatment and all that kind of thing that comes like we don't know how quickly any of this is going to progress progress so to say that like the pac 12s more likely to to play in spring i just think that's extremely premature it's it's as premature as saying that the pac 12 can play on september 5th that usc can kick off on september 5th both both of those statements are wildly premature and and i will say it right here anyone who's sure of anything at this point is is lying yeah or 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 misguided at, at at the least maybe not lying willfully but if you're sure of anything then you're you're being a little bit uh, bold, I well, think. Well, I'm going to tell you something I'm sure of. USC is going to have better hype videos. <laughs> yes. There. Does that count? Yes. Uh, we didn't do an episode last week, so we didn't talk about this last week. SC has hired Jake Brown to be the director of football video production, along with his assistant, Will Stout. Both of them come from LSU. LSU had a bunch of hype videos people liked. They promoted Joe Burrow. They promoted... The Tigers and, and all that stuff, and everybody loved them last year. I don't know if they're they're for me. I'm not the biggest fan, but people love the things. If they make people happy, go ahead and do it. You didn't get the LSU hype videos. Eh, okay. They were legit. Like the 
legitimately great. Uh, but 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 I'm not saying that they're that that, that I'm that I don't like them. I'm just they're not for me. They're they're not my. Well, thing. they're certainly not marketed towards like you're no. not the the target audience. No, I'm yeah. not exactly. Uh, which is is always something that is good to consider whenever you're considering something. Like, am I in the target audience? No. So maybe I. Maybe my opinion on this doesn't really matter. Right. Um, but uh, no, I, I like I think this is a, a bigger move than a lot of people. And it's, again, one of those things that you talk about being excited about the LSU video team coming to USC. And all of a sudden you get people coming out the woodwork going like, what if they, they need to win on the field? Like, this isn't how John McKay won national championships and blah, 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 blah. It's like, guys, come on. Like, we, we're living in a modern age where we can look at this and say this is a positive step forward for the program. Um, hey, those stone tablets that the John McKay promoted the, <laughs> the, the program with, those things were pristine. Those things okay? were, were legit, yes. Uh, the, I mean, th- this is the thing. I am looking for signs of ambition from USC. When I, when I saw, like, this was the one thing, like, I wasn't, as much as I think the Todd Orlando hire could work out greatly, uh, he kind of fell into USC's lap. But the um, hiring of Dante Williams that was a sign of ambition to go out and make sure that they that they got him. Um, going out to get Vic Soto was, I think, a good sign of ambition. Um, getting Sean Snyder, good sign of ambition, going and finding people who were available and then going out and making sure you get them, not just because your brother's sister's uncle knows them, but because they're actually legitimately good at their job. Um, when USC expanded their recruiting circle, the, the, their recruiting staff, those were signs of ambition that USC is growing their support staff. All good things. This is another sign of ambition. USC saw these really effective hype videos and they said, let's go get those dudes. And is it the end all and be all? Is it going to guarantee that USC wins anything this season? Probably not. No, this is uh, like a superficial kind of improvements, but it's still an improvement. It's marketing. And- yeah, it's marketing. It's, it's marketing for, to, to sell and, tickets. And, and again, who it's is... marketing to recruit the program. Like, and God knows this team needs better all marketing. All the help they can get. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't been excited for a USC video that got put out since uh, the Friday night videos that they put out. And those were like the good ones of those were almost 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, like the 2011 was the, was the, the uh, sort of hype highlight era for USC, but it's been a long time since those things were a thing where I paid attention on a Friday night when those things came out. So A, the target audience is USC's players and the recruits, and they all seem to to think they're great. And also, why not go out and keep up with the Joneses and, and put out these cool graphics and put out these cool uh, videos and all that kind of stuff? They, they already put out a, a recruiting video um, that uh, Jake Brown put together with you know just a couple of string the cans and a and a piece of string and it came out great it was it was legit it was getting shared all over the place like it was you know it's a cool thing like take the wins where you can get them guys here's here's my thought you you can't sit there and say god i wish sc was more like alabama and clemson and then when sc goes out and tries to be like lsu um and you can't also sit there and be like, but, but 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 why are they being like that? I wish USC was more like Clemson and hired an interim head coach who had no experience and was very mediocre for the first couple of years. And, and is used for faith football, family, faith family football, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Clemson again. It's it's all, but it's all an arms race. And if USC is showing willingness to keep up with the arms race in these superficial things then I am more inclined to believe that they might be willing to keep up with the arms race when it comes to deciding on a head coach when yeah. that time comes. Yeah, when, when, when that time comes. <laughs> I mean... When the time comes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the last thing uh, in terms of news before we get to our hypothetical topic here. Uh, recruiting news. USC ranks fifth nationally in the 2021 recruiting class with 11 commits. That includes two new ones this month. The 99th overall recruit, a four-star athlete, Julian Simon out of Lincoln High in Tacoma, and four-star wide receiver, the 109th recruit in the 24-7 sports composite, where Darius Davis out of Skyline High in Dallas. Yeah, two big pickups for USC. Um, Quay Darius Davis is uh, all-name team uh, nominee already. Uh, love, love Quay Davis. 
uh, and uh, he's a you know a talented wide receiver that USC is getting out of the state of Texas, pulling out from under the nose uh, of Texas. Like you take that any day of the week, absolutely. Um, and then Julian Simon is an even bigger get. He's a top 100 athlete. He could end up being a, a linebacker or safety. He's kind of what did you you call him? Uh, Sue Cravens, uh, sort of in, in the sense of the positions that the he hybrid plays. Uh, hybridity of him. He's just a super diverse. Because ver- I, I was versatile. asking you, I'm like athlete. What positions are we talking about? And you're like, well, he could be a safety or a linebacker or receiver or running back. I'm like, oh, he sounds like Sue Cravens. Yeah, he's just kind of an athlete, capital yeah. A athlete. Um, but more than that, aside from the fact that he's quite talented, he's from Tacoma, Washington. He's involved in uh, the big uh, like seven on seven team from up there. And he is one of those potential pipeline building gets that opens up a lot of doors for you if you're recruiting in the Washington area. And that is, again, another big recruiting win um, that, that that you have to <laughs> embrace, you know, full full bore. Uh, it's not just about getting as many top 100 recruits as you can. It's also about building relationships so that you can get more top 100 recruits, which is theoretically what Julian Simon could result in for USC. Yeah, that would be definitely big for USC. Trojans trying to help the recruiting efforts after the disastrous 2020 recruiting class. I mean, it's already exponentially. Yeah, they're they're fifth nationally. Fifth nationally. They already have a bunch of top 300 recruits. People would have been happy with a top 15 class, surely a top 10, a top five. People would be kissing the earth. Yeah. Well, USC had one top 300 recruit last year. That was Gary Bryant uh, Jr. He was the only one. This year, they like, it's like six or seven. Yeah, they've only gotten one this month. So I mean, only like, one this on. month. Well, the two this month. Quay Davis and Julian Simon both fit but into that. Quay top Davis is 109th, so he doesn't count. Top 300, I said. Oh, I said. I thought you said top 100. The, the, last year, USC had one top 300 prospect. Okay. I mean, that's even worse than Which, that, uh, yeah. just like, just say that out loud a couple times, and you're just like, how? Yeah. Not good. Not 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 good, Bob. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come right back, and we're gonna talk about our hypothetical plans for the 2020 season. That that and we, this is we on just the hypothetical. This is just strictly <laughs> hypothetical. We're just talking. We'll be right back. Alicia, put on your hypothetical cap. Got it. I got. I got it. Is 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 it? My imaginary hypothetical cap. It's on. You get your ponytail through the through the backside. There's a little loop on the backside. Yep. Yeah. All yep. right. You good? I'm good. Okay. Technically, it's a like a bun, not a ponytail. I don't know these things. I mean, the same. same I wear difference. I wear my hair like almost like Ray from Star Wars, except I put a lot less effort into. I don't know how he wears things. his hair. Oh my gosh. I can't with you. I can't. Anyways, uh, you're appointed. And I was doing it way before she did, too, so just for the record. Anyways, Alicia, you're appointed as the commissioner of college football for the 2020 shortened season of college football. (laughs) Shortened 2020. Yeah, we had to put some parameters on this (laughs) because. Okay, the the CDC has come out and said that your football season can only be played from October 1st to January 1st, and there will be no fans at games. Those are the parameters. You are the college football czar. October 1st to January 1st, no fans. What is your season's format? You can be as practical or as fun and wacky as possible. Tell me all about your plan as czar. Well, I am a practical human, so uh, I would try to come up with an actual uh, czar scenario here. So if you start on October 1st, you're talking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, let's say 14 if we can count January 2nd as the 14 weeks that you have to to work with, right? So in theory, if you really wanted to play your 12-game season and then have a 13th game conference championship game and then do a bit of a playoff scaling into 
January 9th. You could make it happen if you really wanted to. Alicia, the fictional CDC says January 1st. <laughs> Screw the CDC. <laughs> um, but not really. Uh, so, but, but either way, I think that cramming it all into that many weeks is just impractical. Um, there was discussion of, of so if, if you're doing it and starting on October 1st, I think it's very simple to say you aren't having a non-conference schedule because essentially what September is, is a mix of non-conference and conference games. So I would just nix the non-conference altogether. If, if you're, if you're starting in October, just nix the non-conference, um, because it'll allow you to play as many games as you would have without having to rearrange the schedule all that much. So I would want to keep it as simple as possible, which is to say, keep everyone's schedule as is, minus the non-conference games. So for the Pac-12, for the Big Ten, um, and the Big 12, or is it, the, yeah, the Big 12, you would go ahead with a nine-game conference schedule, so you'd play your nine games um, through October and November. Um, I think you could have a discussion of maybe having one out of conference game for everyone, and then that would help you with like the SEC going there, do their eight conference, their eight game conference schedule as normal. Um, but then they have two out of conference games, whatever they work out those to be. Um, but like in that scenario, you'd allow USC and Notre Dame to keep their game. Um, you'd allow USC, uh, Notre Dame and Stanford to keep their games. You'd allow BYU to keep some of their games. Like I think you'd you'd incorporate the independence a little bit uh, more safely, and you'd allow at least some of those non-conference rivalry games to take place. And then you'd also be be able to build in some other interesting um, non-conference, at least one non-conference game for for everyone to get up to a ten-game schedule. And if you did a ten-game schedule, you're not packing it all in so 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 much like. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are nine weekends, nine Saturdays from the start of October to the end of November. Um, you could push it to the first week of December if you wanted to have a bye week in between there for, for everybody. Um, the problem then comes to when do you hold the uh, the the conference title games and i think you do that at the end of december you just say and not at the end of december you do that on like the weekend of of december 12th your season ends on december 5th um unless you decide not to do that 10th game and just do nine games for everybody which but i just think that's a little bit more complicated um and then you could host your conference title games on the first week of december just like you normally would and then play out your in theory if by December we're talking January, we're talking like things are semi-normal. We're in a state where we can start having. Again, the CDC says you can play, but without fans. Without fans, yeah. But so if the CDC says you can play, then like I think that's the way you do it. I would say the ten ten game schedule just for the sake of the Notre Dame game. But if you're being sort of trying to keep it all across the board, right? You do a nine game conference schedule. For the Pac-12, you do the SEC, and you probably maybe you tell them to do a nine-game schedule um, in their conference, and everyone plays nine games. They finish the last week of weekend of November, and then they play their conference championship games the weekend of the fifth of December, and then you reconvene um, the the weekend of uh, of January first. Or maybe it's the the Christmas weekend. I don't know how they do the schedule. Yeah, you do that. You do the, the you do the Rose Bowl and everything like that on January on January first. You play out the rest of the uh, playoff semifinals on the second, and then you um, go on to crown your champion on the ninth or the if they want to do it on the Monday, the eleventh. I know you said January first, but if we're talking about doing a playoff, it's sure. normal. Okay. Like I okay. think the ideal here is to do it as close to a normal season as possible while also delayed and without fans. But the without fans thing is is beside the point because if we're talking just pure football, you just play out the season with the just pure football and you're fine. Right, but the, the whole point of this is you're supposed to come up with new ideas to broadcast the game. Like, what are your new ideas? Do you have any fun ideas on, on how to broadcast the game? I mean, the game's the game, though. Like, 
It's so boring. I mean, okay, so what are You're you... You're not uh, getting reelected. Are you <laughs> Are you saying that, uh, that you hold the games in smaller stadiums so that you... You have like close up. At least you allow me to present. Okay. My my. See, I I went with the practical, reasoned, no. uh, rational. Just you know, keep it as, as ju- formal as possible, and don't I'm gonna rock go, the boat. I'm going to present a college football season that is going to be practical, logistical, and flawless. Here we go. You do sound like a politician. Uh. Well. Well. Uh. Ask not what your college football can do for you, but what you can do for your college football. At least here's what we're doing. We are doing an eight-game schedule in my my sense of the 2020 shortened season. Eight games over nine weeks. Week one is on October 2nd. Uh, You can start on October 1st, which is a Friday night. You can have Friday night games. Uh, October 2nd is that Saturday. That's week one. This goes all the way through to week nine. There is a bye week. So week nine is November 27th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Nine weeks. You have eight games. What are those eight games? Six conference games, two out of conference. And you're saying six conference games. How do you do that? Well, here's the thing. There's conferences in America like the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten. How many teams do they have? Fourteen. Fourteen. How many teams are in a division? Seven. Seven. Which means, besides you, how many opponents are in your division? Six. Six. There's your number of games right there. Uh, if you're in the ACC, if you're in the Big so, Ten. So you wouldn't go to conference SEC, only. You'd go to division only. You'd play you, division you're, games you're, only. You're, in those conferences, you're only playing your division. And in, and in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you play you're gonna, your division you're gonna play plus a crossover one game. from the north. Yeah. One, one crossover game. However you manage to do it, put them all in a hat and figure it out. You're going to pay six. You have two non-conference games. Here's what we do. We're going to do this. I I would say it would be British style, but it's not going to be completely British style. We're going to take all the teams... Who won. You have like a a, a, a drawing. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna play. Take all the teams who won nine or more games. All the teams who won six to eight games. All the teams who won uh, three. Uh, we're we're we're, we're gonna them up. yes, but but we're also gonna gonna do it evenly so where these numbers actually mix. Uh, you're gonna take the the lower quarter, the middle quarter, the higher quarter, the, the top quarter, right? And you're going to pull those into two, in, into groups. And you will essentially play one higher ranked, one in the upper tier, a team that had a winning record and a team that had a losing record. One of them will be your home game. One of them will be your road game. And it is completely on a pool. So you're going to go and draw a team out of a hat. All of the teams are going to be in this, in these pools. Se- you know, obviously, segment, I mean, Segregated the, by... Are they, are they going to turn this into a TV show like the uh, yes. Champions League uh, yes. drawings? It, it's, it's going to be on TV, and so Mike Bone's going to get up there, and he's, everyone picks their home game. No one picks their, their road game. Everyone picks their home game, and he's going, and he's going to pick his home game, and we'll say SC is given a home game against a, a winning team. So he goes, and he picks a home game against a winning team, and it is... SMU. SE plays SMU at home in week one or two. We, we, you put those at the beginning of the season. And 10 minutes later, some other team, a, a losing team, picks USC as their road game. And it is uh, uh, Rutgers. Rutgers is going to host USC in week good, two. Good times heading to New York. Yeah, that so, sounds lovely. So SC goes to play Rutgers in week two. So th- we're just completely randomizing it. Those are your two non-conference games. Uh, and then you play your six conference games. And then... Uh, so you- you'd give up the USC-Notre Dame rivalry for the sake of a randomized pool of drawings. Yeah, because I don't know how else you do it. Because here's the thing. The, 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 I think if you go conference only, I don't know the solution so what do, what do you that do works for Notre logistically Dame, BYU, for BYU, Navy, Air Force. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I think, do they pl- all play each other? 
How many? How many times are they going to? How many times is Notre Dame and Navy? They're going to play home and home. Home. No, but how many? How many independents are there total? Like how many? There's like four or five. They're like they're they're just going to play each other a couple. Like it doesn't make any sense. I I don't know how that's going to work, unless you add them to a conference, and that's not going to necessarily. There are six independents: Army, BYU, Liberty, UMass, New Mexico State's independent, and Notre Dame. So why don't you put them in a conference in their and independent they play home conference? And homes? No, because because they have a six game schedule. So you'd have to you'd have they to have do three. Schedule. So they would play home and homes. Maybe they play if, one of. If you're talking about like a ten game schedule, they just play home and home. No, but I'm saying they're in the con- They do their division, and then they have out of conference games like everybody Who else. Are they gonna schedule? Like you're 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 making it very difficult. Like, no, I, I that's what I'm saying. They'd be in the pool of USC draws Liberty. Why wouldn't you include the the independents? Okay, I, 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 okay. Now you get I, what I'm saying? I, I, I get what you're saying. The now. only thing you'd have yeah. a problem with is that you need to find one more independent. Maybe you yeah. bring somebody up from F- FCS sure. or something okay. for the for the I, I I got you. Okay. I, I thought you meant what are you doing for teams with conferences versus non conferences? No, no, I got you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You include the independents as their own conference. Yes, one hundred percent. And you would have to have multiple home games or, or multiple games against. Uh, like a home and home or two for those other independent teams. Or you Others. add BYU and New Mexico you're, State you're to the Big 12. Let me finish my And thing. then you add somebody to the Sun Belt. Let me finish. Okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the, the point is, I, and yes, the independent becomes its own conference. They just don't keep a tally of the, of the, of the standings. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you pay, you play six conference games, two non-conference games. Uh, which are random, uh, and then you have that's over nine weeks with a bye week in there. Then you have your conference championship games in week ten, which is the first week of December. You have a week off, and then Elise, I hate, I hate suggesting this. You move to an eight game playoff. It goes against everything that that yeah. It, it goes against what I stand for. I am not a proponent of an eight-game playoff. I, I am, am not a proponent of automatic qualifiers. I am. These are things that I do not fundamentally believe in in a I normal do. circumstance. However, I think... Come to the dark side, Michael. <laughs> I think if you're having a shortened season and you have limited criteria on how to pick the best four teams in college football uh, and you're only playing eight games... I think you have an eight-game playoff, and I think you have an automatic qualifiers. So those last three weeks of December uh, end up being your games. So December fourth is the Pac-12 championship game. December, sorry, uh, I'm looking at the wrong date. December fifth, Pac-12 championship game. Uh, December nineteenth is the the round of eight. December twenty-sixth is the final four. And the national championship games are on January 2nd. I like it. Uh, do we both agree that the bowls are not happening? I, I think you could still have the bowls in this this instance. For you think sure. so? Yeah. Hmm. So, 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 and then how do we get this as a better product on TV? Play at smaller venues. UCLA needs to play at Drake. Uh, Would playing at smaller venues actually make it a better product for TV on a football sense? Because I agree with you about the whole NBA thing, like treat it like you're in a theater thing, a soundstage. But I don't know that that actually works from a football perspective. I don't know that it works from a football perspective, but I don't know that it hurts either. And the reason I say smaller venues is if it's viable. Uh, If you're UCLA, there's no need to play at the Rose Bowl. Play at Drake. Well, that makes you know I mean, what I'm saying for for schools that don't have their own stadium. Yeah, I would say play at a smaller venue just to save having to correct to have your licensing with the not with your your contract with the Rose Bowl. Right, but like USC should still play at the Coliseum. And so, in this instance, what I would do for the um for the playoff games, I would hold the playoff games like the the round of eight. You have uh, all the playoff games. I put in MLS stadiums. Mm, that almost feels like it goes against like Merca. 
Alicia, there's gonna be no fans. That goes against everything I we know, know is called football. I know, but also you have like, to understand that this is not gonna be normal as it is. Right, but still, like I would, if I were a football player, I would still rather play at an empty coliseum than an MLS stadium, than an empty MLS stadium. Like if I'm if I'm uh, like I'd rather play, you know, at at uh, at Brian Denny or or at uh, at uh, uh, DKR. Like I would rather play at those empty stadiums than I'd rather play yeah, at an empty Jerry World I, than you, you know you, like you can play a regular season seasons there, but but your your big your your big games like what do you what are you hurting? Putting the, the national title game at Bank of California Stadium. What are you gaining from doing that? It's a smaller venue. You can fil- you can film the game better. Better can it, you? It's, though? it's more intimate. Can you though? I, I like. I, I think there's like there's I don't. I don't here. know if football necessarily struggles from an intimacy problem when it comes to the cameras. I, I think like it, in the sense that you could like improve. Like I don't think you can actually improve. Like for football, I don't think you can improve on that. I don't know that you can improve, but I, I just, I, I think that you know the, the limited number of people who are going to be there, which we would assume would be media and fa- friends and family, right? It would just be better in a smaller venue. I don't think that's actually true. Like, I get why you're saying it. I just don't think it's actually true. If you're going to have a thousand people in a game. But either way, you're going to have an empty stadium. So, like, it doesn't no, really that. make a difference except for but would you have a thousand having people... to transition all of these soccer stadiums to paint football fields on them. Like, that just doesn't seem... They already did it for the X of... Like, it's not a... It's, you're not having to transition anything. I know, but it's like, it, it, it just... It doesn't really... Like, it, what is the difference between holding a game at the Coliseum versus at the uh, the, the dig? Like... I don't think you gain anything from having the football game at Dignity Health State Park or whatever it's called versus the Coliseum in this scenario. Like, it, it doesn't make... I just don't get the point of of fielding or, or having the game... But I don't in, get in the it. point of fielding it at these MLS stadiums. Like, like you're, you're net zeroing, so why go through the rigmarole of doing an MLS stadium when you can just, just have football stadiums right there that have locker rooms that are designed for football teams now, and now that's all of the, that kind of that's stuff. That's like, the best argument for me, is that, that that the football stadiums have locker rooms designed for 100-man squads. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the best argument. Okay, so I win. I don't know if you win. I think my situation is better than yours. I will, con- I will concede yours. that your six-game conference schedule with two games out of conference is very intriguing, even if I think that... As much as I would enjoy the idea of the randomizer, I don't think college football fans would uh, embrace it quite as much as us as us uh, soccer heathens. Um, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, it would be cool. And this is the t- the time to do it because you wouldn't have to worry about. Traffic. But I also think that they should do sin bins for targeting penalties. But so like, like- they call penalty boxes. But no. but but no, like if if you have. If you're going to send USC on a road game to uh, Piscataway on a whim, it's better to do it when no fans are in attendance so you're not screwing up anyone's tr- travel plans. You know what I mean? I mean, sh- sure, but, like, also... Uh, I, I, like... And, and also, in theory, it would it would create... It, it would create I, again, some, some I think sort it, of fairness. I think it goes to, like, this this sense of like fairness over the randomizer i i, I mean it wouldn't be entirely fair no but. like you uh, nothing is entirely fair but like i feel like you could end up with interesting just as interesting matchups in a world where you allowed schools to negotiate with each other about who is going to play who I, I get that. I just don't know how those negotiations. We'll see, happen. and that's the that's uh, like, the, that's the argument for the randomizer is that if we're creating new negotiations, like yeah, that's that's going to be very difficult on, on yeah. a on a short time frame. Yeah, so. but then again, randomizing and having all like, on all a right, short well, time frame. If you're listening to this, let us know Who, whose plan is better. Mine is simpler. Uh, outline your thing. You got one minute. Make a final pitch. You play the college football season without conference games. You basically just X out September and play it as is. 
without without non-conference games. Yeah, without non-conference games, and just go ahead with you. Go ahead with the bones of your conference schedule as clearly as close to what you would have done before as possible. Okay, and and I say, which is to say, USC would play the same conference schedule that it would have played right. this year, no matter what. Yeah, and, and I say you go to eight games, uh, six in conference, two out of conference, pick chosen randomly in a weighted sense, uh, where you you have winning teams and losing teams, and you, you arrange them, but you still pick randomly in different pots, uh, similar to what they do in soccer. Uh, you get a home game and a road game in out of conference. Uh, and then you get six conference games. Uh, in some conferences, that'd be just your division. In other conferences, you'd have uh, a crossover, like in the Pac-12. Um, and then independents are accounted for by creating their own little conference, and they just don't keep a tally of who wins and loses, um, of course. Uh, and then, you know they could just this once? Like, well, why not? Sure, but but like they're not going to crown a champion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, they could, in theory. I mean, why not? And then we improve the TV product would take it. by fine. putting the playoffs in tiny little stadiums, tiny little I, MLS uh, stadiums. This is the one where I just don't think you're going to win. I think you have a you have a good And I crown the national title the schedule, with, but... an, with an 18 playoff with automatic bids, Georgia against everything I stand Which for. Which I love completely. But the only reason that I'm okay with it in this shortened it's sense... because it's a one-off. Is because it's a one-off and we're not going to have enough uh, of a criteria to figure out... Who the who best wins. teams are? Yeah, you do realize the moment they go to an eighteen game, un- and that is, under any that is my fear. Any circumstance, they're going to stick with an eighteen. As soon as they go, they're going to stick to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. anyways, we got a mailbag question. Let's go to take one final quick break, and we'll come back and answer it. You've got mail. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got an email from Jonathan who says, "Hey guys," and he gives us three questions. Number one. Do you think USC will be able to land Corey Foreman? Short answer, yes. I do think that is possible. I don't think it's necessarily in the bag, um, but I think USC is in a is in a pretty good uh, position there. Um, I think the the crystal ball on twenty four seven favors USC over Clemson, which he did committed from. Uh, so that's a really good sign for USC. Um, I, I think that it's it, given the recruiting momentum that USC has, it's certainly a possibility. Now, one thing that I think is going to be that we're not necessarily talking about with regard to Corey Foreman is obviously he can sign in December and or February, whichever he chooses. Like right now, the recruiting momentum is really positive for USC because they're getting all these guys and they have this revived staff and everything like that. But let's say that the season starts under any format. And all of a sudden, USC is falling flat on their face, and it's increasingly clear that Clay Hilton will be fired. We're changing the equation on Corey Foreman, for sure. Yeah, a lot can change. It leads to the second question, which is, will USC be able to finish with a top five class? At least everything you just answered, just you can just repeat that, essentially. Yeah, I mean, the the especially when we're talking about USC is, is a, five, a top five class right now, and they are still in the running for Corey Foreman. And some other, uh, you know, big time national recruits that they could still bring in. So this class could absolutely be a top five class, but it requires the momentum to stay as is. And it's hard to predict how that will go, because, again, if USC goes out and wins the Pac-12, they're going to be in the driver's seat as far as landing a lot of these guys, because confidence that USC is on the upswing will be high. Um, If USC is in a state where Clay Helton is once again on the chopping block, the negative recruiting will do the work for, you know, for, for itself. Yep, 100%. Uh, last question from Yonatan. Which current Trojan in the NFL, including the two that just got drafted this year, has the best chance of making it into the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame, which will help USC get sole lead of the all-time list? USC is currently tied with Notre Dame at 13. Love the show. Best, Yonatan. Um, th- th- this is a fascinating question because I, I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer here I'll, I'll throw you some names i think there is one clear-cut answer i'm, I'm curious who you think it is do you want me to say it or no no, no let, let me let me throw let me give you five names okay and you tell me if i got it but 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 let me give you the five names first okay tony baselli Clay Matthews, 
Jr. the second, um, Clay Matthews the third, Tyron Smith, and Jarrell Casey. I don't think Jarrell Casey is going to make the NFL, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but uh, that's that's the list I think in in order there. Okay, if we're talking about who will be the next, um, also I think Jonathan asked current Trojans in the NFL, so. Um, I do think Tony Baselli could be is most likely to be the next Hall of Famer in there. Yeah, I, I I didn't read that. But email, you, right? you but yeah. you did, you didn't comprehend the re- email super sure. well. As far as current Trojans, I think it's obvious Tyron Smith is Tyron the one. Smith, yes. Um, I, I think he has a better argument over Clay. Yes. Uh, and and Clay, <sighs> I am very curious what's going to happen to Clay's sort of legacy going going forward, but. Tyron Smith is has been the best left tackle in the game for long enough. He has enough of the accolades. Um, I think he just a couple more seasons at, at a at a strong level will will ensure that he gets there eventually. Uh, the the big question I have is for someone like Juju Smith Schuster. I don't know what it would take for him to get there. Uh, he's he's had a strong first two seasons, but he needs to like. The potential of he needs to continue this for ten years at a really high level, and at one point potentially be in the in the top, you know, two receivers in the game. Like he needs to be like in the running for all decade team kind of deal. Yeah, like, and I don't know if I like. I think that Juju is a great player, but I don't know if he has the juice to be like. If he has the Juju, if he has the Juju. I think he can be one of those popular players in the NFL for a long time, but I don't know if he's like ever going to be in the range of he is the best receiver in the NFL at any given time. Um, so he's somebody I think you look out for. Aside from those two guys, like, mm, I mean, Sam. Sam is you obviously there's there's not besides those two guys there's not enough to say anything about anybody about anyone yeah exactly like Sam is the quarterback who could go on to have an outstanding NFL career but like just as much as no idea Austin Jackson is project and if he pans out then yeah becomes the next Tyron Smith then maybe him sure yeah yeah exactly but But other than that like there's I mean, I think Leonard Williams is, could have a really strong resurgence in the second half of his career, I think, but he, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if he's there. Um, and aside from, like, USC has some really solid starters in the NFL right now, but none of them are, like, the best in the game. Maybe Rasheem Green, Rasheem Green takes a huge leap forward as he continues going. I mean, but, uh, maybe. No, no, you can say that about literally anybody. So. Yeah. Uh, I think the answer is Tyron Smith. If we're talking current players, Tyron Smith or Clay Matthews the third. Yes. Uh, with, with the with the other guy to keep an eye on is Juju Smith Schuster for sure. Those are, those are the three guys. And if you're talking yeah. about the the next to, to likely get in, it's probably Tony Baselli. Yeah, I think Tony Baselli is is uh, Tony Baselli and Clay Matthews the second um, have decent arguments, uh, but it'll just come down to the mood of the uh the voters at a certain point yeah all right uh that's gonna wrap this thing up thanks for listening to us as always episode 367 coming to you on may 13th uh we'll be back next week to talk about more usc football and so much more as always send us your emails random troy at pansana.com phone number 213-373-1usc second what's brewing show and you get all of our bonus content over at patreon patreon.com Slash Reign of Troy. Uh, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is uh, uncertainty, as in... Everything's uncertain. Everything is uncertain. Everything's uncertain. Everything is clear when we look forward now. I don't know when football... When will they play football ever, ever again? The one thing, you know what I, like, I want to start screaming this from the rooftops, but like, and I know American sports fans, like, have this weird just hatred of all things soccer, but like, if you want to know what's going to happen with the future of sports, pay attention to the Bundesliga, because they're the ones that are restarting in Europe right now, and that experiment is going to tell us a hell of a lot about what 
restarting sports in the Western world is going to look like. Um, the Premier League is going is to come down the line too. Like those things are going to restart before the MLB does, before the NBA does. So like, pay yep. attention to these things. One hundred percent. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.